Hey you guys, hope you're well. I just wanted to take this opportunity and let you know about our amazing new business scalability scorecard. So have you ever wondered if, you've, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you want to grow and scale the business but not sure how, and you're looking for some advice and you're looking for some strategies about how you could effectively grow and scale your business, well, this is your opportunity. We have actually created an amazing uh, business scalability scorecard. It takes you around seven to eight minutes, and at the end of that, it will actually create a report of all of the things that you're doing particularly well in and the things that you need to make improvements to your business. And uh, it's a great tool and a great asset for your business. To get free access to that, go to bit.ly forward slash business hyphen scalability hyphen scorecard. Go there, go now. Take care, see you soon. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today, we have another fun-packed absolutely amazing show lined up we have an absolute great guy who's going to be speaking today his name is Cole Gould for those that you don't know who Cole is Cole is the one of the worldwide leading authorities in business and entrepreneurship he actually is an entrepreneur but he also created three companies which were three companies which are multi-million pound company multi-million dollar companies by the age of 40. he also created an organization which was kind of like one of the furthest reached organizations in coaching and mentoring in the world and has coached over, well, coached, accredited, and mentor over 7,000 individuals during the process uh, between now and 2002, which is over the last sort of 20-odd years. He also had written, uh, co-authored the book uh, Blueprint for Success, which featured Stephen Covey and Clem, Bla- uh, Clem Banchard, and has also written the best-selling book, uh, the state seven stages of business growth. So, uh, put just a round of applause for Mr. Cole Gould. Woo! Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was great. I love that lead in. That was awesome. It's all good. It's all good. Well, it, by the way, I'm sure that everyone that's listening in, uh, I'm sure that you're, I'm sure there are a round of applause in anyway. So, it's just kind of like this virtual clap. Bang. Anyway, so before we get started, guys, because um, I know that we're going to be going through a lot of stuff today. And I know that Cole is like excited about today, but not only is he excited, he's going to give you a lot of great knowledge. There's going to be a lot of value bombs in here. So make sure that you've got your pens and paper handy, like me, of course, and make sure that you are ready to hold on to your seats for the next level. So Cole, welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's, it's been, uh, it's been uh, a great opportunity to come on and share some knowledge with your listeners. Awesome. Awesome. So um, now, interestingly enough, I mean, you've been in business for a long time, right? I mean, you've been mentoring people and coaching people for the best part of 20 odd years. You've, you've achieved some amazing things in your business career. Um, but I want to kind of 
let's go kind of give some context to some of our listeners. We've got listeners from all over the world. I'd yeah. love to know where, how you kind of became into where you are right now, which is kind of more growth strategist type of thing, right? And studying businesses and really kind of understanding the intricacies of business. How did you become such an expert? And, and first of all, and, and secondly, I'd love to know, how did you get into becoming, um, yeah, let's start with that first of all, actually, because then now I can move on to another question. Well, sure. I got, um, I started very much by accident, um, injury, actually. So I, um, I was going to the University of Delaware for accounting and finance. I was going to college, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward path. And then I broke my leg pretty badly in my second year and I had to leave school. And um, so I, I only knew a couple of ways to make money. One of them was landscaping. The other one was construction because I grew up in those industries. Uh -huh. So I started a design build landscape uh, firm and um, I started that business, grew it and, um, and uh, eventually sold that business seven years later. I started a construction company at that point and then grew that business for the next 12 years. But in 1990, just a few years after starting my first business, I, uh, I went to a personal development seminar, fell in love with the whole idea of helping people design and chase their dreams and showing them how they can, um, uh, show them how they can be a peak performer. So all the while I'm growing my businesses, but I'm also a coach. That was, if there was such a thing as a, as a gig economy back then, that was my gig, that was my side hustle. <laughs> is I was coaching all through the 90s. Ken Blanchard, Tony Robbins, Stephen Covey, uh, the Adiza's methodology. There was, um, so if there was a certification out there, I was getting it. DISC, NLP, you name it, right? Got it. And so, um, so I, I fell in love with all these peak performance sciences and I then hired a coach for my business, my construction company. And if there were hashtags back then, the hashtag would have been hang up the hammer. <laughs> because I felt like my business was running me more than I was running it. Mm. And I said, listen, it's, it's, you know, I I'm so stressed out and exhausted all the time. You know, this isn't work. This just isn't working out for me, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so I really love the process. So, so fast forward a couple of years, I'm working with a coach. I'm saying, wait a minute. I've now been a life and results coach for almost 10 years, mm. uh, working leadership intervention, all that. And now I've, I've, I have this business coaching background um, so I got an accreditation in that. And I said, I, this is what I want to do. I want to be a business coach. But what happened was, what was interesting was the, um, at, I, while I was learning to be a coach, there weren't a lot of really good systems or processes out there that I can work off of. So I created my own. And I basically just said, well, how do you manage an engagement? How do you manage a session? How do you help them set goals? What do you do when it's time to renew? Mm. Uh, I, so I built something for me. It wasn't intended for anybody else, um, but I. But my passion was, at some point, I said, this is what I want to do. The problem was the average coach at the time made $23,000 a year. And I don't care where you live, $23,000 a year in your currency ain't a lot. I don't care what, I don't care what country you're in. Nope. I've done business in 68, $23,000 of anything is not a lot, right? And so I said, well, wait a minute where I live in the United States, I said, you, I just can't live on it. And there was a joke back then about coaches is that coaches, we, 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 uh, we had to take full-time jobs to feed our coaching addiction. That was, that was the, cause you couldn't make any money on it. Right. So I, 
I did. I made it into a six-figure billing practice every year. And people were like, well, how, how are you doing that? And so mm. I showed them how to, right out of the gate, be charging $350 to $1,000 an hour, how this could be a full-on profession, just like any other job that you've done, any other advisor, financial advisor, insurance advisor, attorney, right. accountant, architect, you name it, this could be part of it. Mm. And so I, um, I worked on that to... Um, uh, to build what this practice could look like. And then people came to me and said, show me how you're doing what you're doing because I want to do the same thing. Mm. And, um, and so that led me to not only being a coach full time, but I also started certifying, accrediting, training other coaches and mentors who wanted to do this as a full-on practice. And this is, this is business coaching we're talking about, right? Business coaching mostly. Yes, I, I got my big lesson, uh, Adam, you'd appreciate this. So here I am, I'm a life coach and I'm working with this, an executive from a Fortune 500 company. And during the course of the six months that I worked with him, I was in on the meetings where he hired consultant and advisor in this one for 10,000, 50,000, 100,000. <laughs> I was a coach at the time through another system getting paid $395 a month, 395, right? Again, I don't care your currency, what? not a lot. <laughs> 395. <laughs> 395 bucks for a month, did you say? A month, a month. After six months, the guy says, hey, Carl, this has been fantastic. This is, you really helped me so much in the areas that I want. Um, I, think I've, I think I've solved these areas. And I'm, I'm waiting to hear comma, and here's all the other stuff I want you to work on because you've been so valuable in my life. And he was like, well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a life coaching, a personal coaching experience. I can't justify the expense through my business. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. In the last six months, you have hired millions of dollars worth of advisors. You just got done telling me I've been the most impactful and my $2,000 over six months was too much for you to bear. I said, you know what? Just from a survival standpoint, I said, you know what? Whatever coaching I'm going to do, it's going to be through somebody's business. Mm -hmm. So yes, I went to business coaching you know, business mentoring. I mean, the reality is, is that we use the business as an excuse to coach somebody personally. Right. Um, but the, it was, it was, yes, it is a business coaching model. I learned that was the way to go. Okay. I just wanted to clear that up because I mean, there's different forms of coaching, but that's all good. Listen, whatever you're doing, guys, whatever you're doing, guys, do not be, do not charge your clients per hour. And number two, make sure that you're charging more than three 395 bucks a month Ugh. because that is just like that's ridiculous too low way too, too low <laughs> but listen I'm, I'm fascinated because you built three companies that have hit multi-million dollar companies before the age of 40 what was the yep. um it's i'd love to know what the circumstances were and what were the businesses how did you how did you manage that were they your own business or did you buy and manage an or did you do sort of the m a route no, the, the three businesses that I referenced were all uh, grassroots, fully bootstrapped uh, startup businesses that I started. I was the sole owner, ran all three of those businesses. And so the first one was a, my landscaping company. Mm -hmm. I doubled that business every year for seven years, and then I sold it. Um, and then I, um, I started a construction company. I grew that business, had that business for 12 years, and I sold that in 2004. And then um, I had a real estate company um, that um, 
you know, turned into a multi-million dollar company. And then I've since grown a, uh, my coaching business has, is a seven figure business. Mm. Um, so those four, I'm, I'm over 40 now, uh, I hate to say, <laughs> but, uh, little, I'm now on my 15th anniversary of my 40th birthday. Wow. But, uh, so, so I'm a little, I, I know, right? That's why, I, dude. That's why I do anniversaries now. I don't do birthdays, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, right. So, um, uh, so I, I have acquired other businesses and I've grown other businesses. So, um, but those are the three that I mention only because uh, you know a lot of people ask me like, "Hey, I'm so young. Can I do mm. this?" You know, my first business, um, I was in my twenties. Second business, I had between my twenties and my thirties. Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, and the third one, it was in my mid thirties. So you can, you can absolutely start young and, and you mm -hmm. can grow a seven figure business. Biggest, the biggest, um, lesson, best lesson I ever got was in the, my first year of business in my first business. And I remember starting out and I was, remember I was in school for accounting and finance. So I had all this theoretical knowledge about business, right. but no practical knowledge about business. So I thought like, hey, if somebody calls me for a job, they must want me. You know, they, if I go and give the proposal, I'm going to get hired. I couldn't believe it when I didn't. I was like, you know, what do you mean? You called me. I came over. You told me what you wanted. I told you I got it. Here's the price. So um, what I heard for my entire first year in business, um, so uh, came to me and, 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 you know, when I showed up, they, all they did was complain about the competitors. And I was like, what? Like, you know, and so I, I said, I said, you know, and, and it seemed, I seemed to get a positive response every time I said, well, listen, that's not going to happen with me. I promise you, I'll take care of that. Uh, this isn't going to happen. Oh, I know that you don't like that, but you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to pay special attention to it. Right. And what I learned was if I leverage the complaints, they weren't listening to what I can do. Like my promises, they were like, yeah, everyone says that. Everyone, everyone says that. that. Everyone says that. Right. But when, when it came time to talking about my, you know, the complaints that I was hearing, they were all ears. So the next year I built a, a secondary offering, a premium offering about the complaints that I was hearing. And I realized that's what people really want. Take the top complaints, handle those, and people will pay your premium. And so I've used that concept throughout my, the rest of my career. Mm. Um, it was one of the best lessons I ever learned very early on, you know? So it's interesting. It's interesting, Cole. Uh you know, we've had many different thought leaders on here. And uh, I think it was um, a, my good friend from Canada, uh, Les Evans. And he said, all, all, all um, great business ideas, the complaint, uh, you should look for the compl uh, complaints are found in the, compl sorry, not complaints. What is it? It's um, like business success is found in the complaints department thing. And you've just kind of highlighted that. Yeah. So it's really right, good. Right. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. I've got a really interesting question then. So you've done three companies, grew them to multi-million dollar companies, right? So what would you say from your perspective, what was the hardest thing that you that you found, you know, running either one if you if it were your, your first business, clearly it must have been your first business. What was the what was the big what was the most hardest thing for you in that business, whether it be your first year, second year, whatever it is? Um, what, what did you find most difficult about running business? Well, in, in, in the beginning uh, of each of the businesses, I got very far on hustle alone, you know, and, um, you know, at some point, though, my, my employees nicknamed me Captain Glucose. 
That was my nickname. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And because I was burning, they're like, hey, d- hey, Captain Glucose, we're not, you know, we're not, we can't keep this pace. And I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And because, um, I mean, I had very clear memory of me sitting on a couch with a, my cast, my leg in a full length cast broke out of school, you know, a bunch of student loans coming in debt. And I'm, I'm like, I got plenty of motivation to get going. <laughs> and they're like, wait, listen, we can't keep this pace up. So I realized that I had to go from like a personality driven business, which was me pushing these guys as hard as I could right. to a process driven business. Like I had to, I had to figure out how to systematize. And I realized that, mm-hmm. you know, it's a whole different language, you know, when you have to communicate to your team through processes rather than, you know, you and me being in the same room and I say, Hey, Adam, here's what we want to do. And you could look back and say, Hey, do I got this right? And, you know, so we can, there's a lot we can infer and we can do on our own, but when I've got to send you a document that says, here's how you do your day. And if you have a question, refer back to the document, it's a different language. And, um, and so that was a hard transition. Um, I got through it obviously, but the, um, that was the hardest thing was to get to systematizing the business, you know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I will, we'll go back and explore that. So yeah, from my perspective, right. And you probably agree with me. I believe businesses go through different cycles, right. And depend on the, the right. lifespan of a business, right. They go through cycles and within each cycle, they get stuck, right. For whatever reason they get stuck. From your perspective, yep. and you might have you might have lived it. You might have lived this. You probably lived this, and you probably got clients that have lived this. Why do you think that businesses get stuck at certain in certain cycles? They could stay there for months. They could stay there for absolutely years. Why do they yep. get stuck? It's really straightforward. the The owner is not growing as as they're not keeping pace as, in their development as a leader as the business is growing. So for example, if, you know, I, I make the joke that the two most unqualified or the least qualified people in any business are one, the person who just received a promotion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause the skill set that got them promoted is not usually the skill set that will help them in their new position. And so they have to grow into it. So for that day, Hey, I'm promoted. Great. You're the least qualified person in the company today. Because you, the, the skills I got you to today aren't the skills that we need in this mm. job. Secondly, the uh, second most unqualified person is the CEO of a fast-growing company. Mm. Because if I'm, a, if I'm the CEO of a million-dollar company today, and mm. then all of a sudden I get the biggest contract of my life, now I'm $3 million. Well, what qualifies me to be the CEO of a $3 million business? I've never done it before. Mm. Nothing. Nothing qualifies me. And then, and then I get to 10 million. What qualifies me at 10? Nothing. Cause I've never been there. 20, 50, you get the idea. Right. And so the, the bottleneck happens when the business accelerates, right. But the, um, the leadership team doesn't grow as fast at, in their management skills and their leadership skills mm-hmm. and their productivity skills, their delegation skills, right. All of the attributes and skills that make up a good manager and a good leader, they have to keep pace with the business or they're the ones that slow it down. Yeah, that's a good point. Love it. Very cool. Um, with people that are stuck, because I, I, I've met, and you've probably met many businesses and entrepreneurs that do get stuck in these cycles. What is your best advice from people that need to, maybe, maybe some of our listeners are stuck in a cycle. 
maybe it's because of lack of clarity or, or whatever it might be, right? Uh -huh. What's the best advice that you give to people for people that are stuck there and that they need to, you know, they need to, what is it that you tell them to do? Well, the, um, so the first thing, um, the first mechanical thing that we do is we look at who, who is in charge of the numbers. Who's, who's mm -hmm. the financial director of this company, financial advisors, controller, CFO. Do you have your numbers um, managed? Your, is your cash flow being managed? Is your, are your chart of accounts set up that reflect how you do business? Mm -hmm. So your numbers can start to talk to you strategically. So we, we actually take a, a slightly mechanical first step where we say, look, are the finances being taken care of? Because I want to know, I need to know as your advisor, where can I push? What can we afford? And where are we? And is your, pro, is your growth profitable? Most mm. times businesses don't grow profitably. They keep doing what they're doing. They don't like, if you're about to grow, you need to make sure that you're getting the maximum pricing, you know, because pretty soon you're going to have another layer of management mm. or you might have to take on this new software or buy new materials. You have right. to have price, price elasticity so that you can, you know, so you have enough money to handle the overhead increases as you go. So you remain profitable. So that's number one. If we're going to grow, it's got to be profitable or all you're doing is spinning your wheels and we're going to be right back where we were before. Right. The second thing is we have to institute a culture of continuous learning. We have to look at the organization chart today and say, mm -hmm. okay, you're the salesperson. Tomorrow you're the sales manager. What are the skills required to be the sales manager? Is there a license, licensing course you need to take, uh, a certification, you know, an accreditation, what designation do you need? What software do you need to know? What you know, CRM do you need to be familiar with? You know, are we taking on a new type of sales methodology? If that's the case, do you need to know it or do we need to create it? So um, we need to make sure that the team is upskilled to the position that they hold. And remarkably, you, would, you wouldn't think, but the, a lot of companies, that's not the case. Their, their staff does not have the requisite skills or certifications for the positions that they hold. Mm. But question about kind of certifications and qualifications, especially when it comes to hiring, would you say that, I mean, I, mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm a big philosopher that, you know, you should hire based on, uh, based on attitude rather than just experience and skills. What's your take on this? Uh, well, you, you have to write the, the have, have the right attitude or you're not going to put in the time on the skills. So there's the, there's the soft skill alignment with the company. Do I believe in their mission and their vision and their values and their cause and what we're all about and what, are, you know, am I willing to do whatever it takes to make this company successful because I believe enough in them. So my soul, my spirit, you know, I'm there, I'm with you, right? Got it. But then there's the hard skill, the technical skill. Can I actually do the job? I mean, I can be all gung ho about my position, but if my position is that I have to create PowerPoint, you know, or slide presentations, and I don't know how to run the software, I can have all the attitude in the world, but I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I suppose you know? it's, it's a balance um, of competence versus confidence, right? Yeah. And I want both. Ultimately, I want a team that will run through a wall for me, mm. but also has a technical skill to build the same wall we have to run through you know, in order to do it. So I want to, I want to have those two. And look, if, if the team is aligned with your value, your core values and your organizing principles, they're going to be willing to learn. So right. listen, if you need me to get this certification or you need me to become a notary public so I can sign the documents when people come in, I'm happy to do it. 
you need me to work the front desk, I'll do it, right? You need to, you know, you know I'll come in on a Saturday, help clean the place up, you know, because we're, we're short right now. Mm. You know, if you've got that, that's awesome, right? And then, and then you look at each position and you say, okay, guys, we want to be best in class here. You know, what do, what do we all need to know, learn, and be able to do in order to be best in class? Mm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Very good. Um, now, you've written... Well, you've written numerous books, seven books to be exact. Oh, that's seven stages of growth. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about the stages of growth that you've identified because, I mean, you, you know, you're well positioned and got to, you know, well positioned to talk about growth. What are, what have you identified in terms of the stages of growth and what is it that people need, what is it that some of our listeners need to do to get from, say, I don't know, stage one to stage two or stage two to stage three? Um, have you found yeah. any, have you found any, um, have you found any stages in particular where it's like, well, this is where, like, say, between stages two and three, as an example, which could be, say, between, I don't know, uh, a million bucks and, and, and sort of $1.2 million, something around that they get stuck around that, but we want to get to the next stage. Is there any particular stages which you think or feel like from experience where it's like, you know, this is where everyone gets trapped, right? And it's the same thing over and over and over again. Any thoughts about this, Carl? Yeah, so uh, I wrote a book called The Seven Stages of, of Business Success, and it's mm-hmm. a growth methodology. What, it, what? How do you stay on that growth trajectory? Stage one is what we call um, the strategic planning stage, and that's mm-hmm. where you get all these great ideas out of your head and onto paper, right? And in stage one, the implication here is that you have a, uh, a plan that is both inspiring and compelling because you're going to need to get people that, that are excited about working with you. And if you have a boring plan, you're going to have a boring business, plain and simple. <laughs> so you're going to have to, you know, um, and, and so we need something that's more inspiring because you're going to need customers that are going to want to pay your premium mm-hmm. and you're going to need employees that are not going to quit every time someone throws another couple thousand dollars at them. So there needs to be a non-monetary reason that they are working for you. All right. So if we can answer those two questions to a level 10, you know, like, hey, my employees will work for me for non-monetary reasons and my clients will pay my premium. Great. You're ready for stage number two. Stage number two is the specialty stage. This is where the expert is born and you need to be the you need to be the smartest person in the room as it relates to your um as it relates to your skill set and your subject matter expertise. You've got to build that authority because when you go to the later stages, as I mentioned before, you're going to have to be able to price yourself at a premium. Um, Now, one of the, one of your, so pricing strategy comes in here at stage two, because the moment you announce your pricing, you do two things um, very important. Uh, Number one is you tell your clients who they are. Number two, you tell the clients who you are. Now, you, you've got to make sure that we get that one right. And, and because your pricing strategy is the number one way that you communicate with your clientele um, for those two reasons. So let's assume we, we build our expertise. Expertise comes in the form of, you know, what are your industry credentials? Do you have all of them? Who are the gurus you're supposed to be learning from? Have we, have we engaged with them? Um, what organizations are we associated with? Are we, are we with the ones that match our brand? Okay. And within every, you know, if you are the high price, the mid price, low price, that's fine. Pick your path. Just do whatever is top best in class in any of those, in any of those areas. 
So let's say you do that. Now we go to stage three. Stage three is the synergy stage. And this is when you start building a team. Love it. You need to build a team that is aligned around your, um, your mission, vision, values, and purpose. And if they are not, you're going you're gonna to really struggle because you might have noticed, I haven't said systems yet. It's too early, <laughs> right? In the beginning, we need to be a personality-driven business. But you better make sure those personalities are aligned around your mission. Right. Okay. So now we got that. Now we go to stage four. Stage four is where we can start to really grow. Okay. Um, stage four is the systems stage. And that's where we need to decide on what our ecosystem is and then systematize. It. Apple has decided to be a closed system. Google, Microsoft, open source licensing, right? They have, they have made those conscious decisions. So Apple's decided to be a stage four company. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so they um, uh, and so um, uh, here's where you systematize the business um, you, and you document, codify each and every area of the business. Stage five is what we call sustainability. Stage five is when the systems have taken over. You are and you are now known for something other than the utility of your product or service. Mm -hmm. Right. So Starbucks is known for their experience, not their coffee. McDonald's is known for their real estate success story, not just their burgers, okay? And so they're known for something other than, right? The Virgin Companies. Richard Branson has done an amazing job of, of, of carrying through the value of irreverence and disruption into all of his businesses, into all of the industries that they are in. That has carried through, mm -hmm. right? And so he's known for that. He's, no, he's known for that as much as he's known for anything else. And if you see how diverse the industries that Virgin companies are in, it's, it's amazing. Yep. They sell women's lingerie. They have a bank. They have a train. They have an airline. They have, they have music stores, phone companies. They're like, what? Right? But they're, they're, it carries through. So at stage five, you're sustainable. Right? And here's where you can really look to scale. You could be a franchise, multi-location, multi-product, um, you know, uh, uh, and you're ready for that. Stage six is what we call saleability. Six and seven are your exit strategy, your succession stages. And so saleability means an asset is born. So a business um, grows by M&A acquisition or selling or spinning off companies or going public or they're taking on uh, venture capital or private equity, some other form of partnership. So like Uber, Amazon, Facebook, you know, that grows by acquisition, right? And then there's the stage seven business. Stage seven is the succession stage. And that's when a legacy business is born. Um, as a matter of fact, the day that you announce that you're, um, you, you are firing employee number one, that would be you, by the way, right? <laughs> so all you're listening out there, you get to fire yourself from the day-to-day -day activities, put a leadership team in place, the value of your business or your stock actually goes up because not because you were a bad CEO, but because you have put a strong leadership team in place and everyone knows it. And they're like, wow, that's the next gen. Oh, that's exciting about what's coming. So the value of the business actually rises. Um, and so, um, uh, so yeah, the, um, um, uh, what you call it? Um, so those are the seven stages. Now, once you get to stage four, five, six, or seven, it can be equally in size. So Apple's a stage four business. Microsoft is actually a stage seven business and Apple's larger, worth more 
than, you know, than um, uh, Microsoft is. So, so yeah, once you get, once you're at stage four through seven, you can scale into those stages. So it doesn't really matter on monetary value of the company market share. It doesn't really matter. It, it, it just, it just de determines on which stage you end up the dominating in, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So you could be a seven figure business starting in stage two. So stage two, you're a surgeon, you're a mechanic, you're an owner operator, you're self-employed, mm -hmm. but you could do quite well there. You know, I make the joke in the book that the Rolling Stones are a stage two business, right? <laughs> but it's not a bad gig if you're Mick Jagger, you know, That's it's true. not bad. That's true. That's you know, true. He, so, um, and, and if they announced like, so, so for me, um, I'm a big Genesis fan. Mm -hmm. And I heard Genesis was going on tour this year. I'm like, wow, awesome. I saw Genesis. I saw Phil Collins. I've seen him multiple times. And then they said to me, well, Phil Collins' son is taking his place. And I was like, oh. What? I didn't know that. <laughs> That's what I heard. Wow. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I got to be honest. I like Phil Collins. I don't know his kids. You know, so if Joey and the Mashed Potatoes show up <laughs> and do the Genesis songs, I'm not going. You know, that's a stage two business. Sorry, Phil Senior. Sorry. That's so you know? funny. You know, so. Very cool. Now, um, what's going to say to you? We work mainly right now in the digital world, right? We, we've been working in the digital world for the best part of probably, I would say, yeah. 18 months, right? So question. The stages that we've been talking about, I don't think those are going to change. But the way that we do business and the way that maybe we get stuck and the, well, the way that we execute businesses and stuff like that, it's going to change. It, 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 it's going to change dramatically from your perspective. When, when a business wants to go through growth, right? Say they plateaued and they want to go through growth, but they've got to take all of these. Um, we've got to take all of these uh, um, digital um, I suppose environment or, uh, you know, yep. into consideration, what are the, what is it that you advise businesses that want to get back onto the growth stage, if you like, or go back into the growth cycle, they might have plateaued, but they need to embrace digital. What are the things that you uh, advise? Yeah. So first thing we do with every company is we circle them back to stage one, mm -hmm. right? Cause if they're going to go digital, I love it. I mean, I'm a big, uh, outsourcing guy. I love it. We're in a global economy. And yep. before I hire anybody, I say to myself, can we, can we, can a process or technology solve the problem first? Can we outsource second? And if the answer to both of those is no, and the only way we're going to do it is by bringing somebody in house, then I'll, then I'll put people on the job, but I'd much rather use automation and outsourcing mm. uh, because they are almost always better solutions. Right. So I, I circle back to stage one and say, no matter where they are, and I'll say, okay, let's revisit the plan. If we're going to go digital, if we're going to do some of these things, then let's see how that may or may not impact the plan. Do we need to update or upgrade? Let's give it a refresh. Let's mm -hmm. just make sure, because the pandemic especially, you know, made companies just rethink how they do business. Mm -hmm. And what came out of the pandemic as far as client wishes and client um, uh, requests is not temporary. True. It's not going to go when the mask goes away. That doesn't go away either. You know what? People like curbside delivery. 
They like they like you coming off hours so you're not bothering them in their office and disrupting their day. Mm. They like this contact free and touch free service. You know, they like that stuff. And you know what? That stuff's here to stay. You know, I like the fact that I can hit a QR code and I don't have to talk to you unless I really need you. <laughs> that's true. You know, so right. So like that's not so bad. That's not so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, don't make me walk into the store to pick up my to go order. You had curbside before. I like it now. Mm-hmm. Meet me at the curb. I don't want to get out of my car. That was great. Now, all of a sudden that is convenient for you. I got to walk back into your store. I don't think so. I'm not liking that, <laughs> you know. You know, you were, you were all gung ho to put, put a bunch of samples in your car, take them to my home or office. Now I got to drive in just because you're okay with it. I don't think so. You know? (laughs) So I I think we've got to circle back and redefine the relationship with our clients. Mm. Now, all of these extra perks, everybody likes the convenience and look worldwide. We all know we pay for convenience. So I say to them, look, Let's circle back to stage one. Let's revisit the plan. If we're going to go digital. If we're going to give them these different options, let's give them the options, but they pay for the options. Yep. They pay for that premium. You want me to come 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. so I'm not bothering your office? That's cool. But if this visit's normally 100 bucks, now it's just 125. Mm-hmm. I bet you they pay you the 125 so you don't come to the office. And that's <laughs> one example. So we say, let's circle back. Let's look at your plan. Let's look at your pricing strategy. And let's offer a premium option with every single thing you sell possible um, going forward. Very good. Excellent. Good, good answer that one. Um, now you talk about, um, well, especially, uh, you know, with a lot of our listeners that are working in the trenches, I called it in the trenches, right? They're working in the trenches, working in their business, whatever you want to call it. Right. And sometimes it's really hard to really look for, um, what I call untapped or hidden value in a business, you know, yep. that might yep. add more profit or whatever it might be. What should, as, 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 as some of our listeners that are listening in, where should we look for in terms of that value and that untapped potential in the business? Well, what, what advice do you have for our listeners? Well, um, I, first thing I would do is I would look at, I would, I would take a moment and write down what are the top five complaints about your industry mm-hmm. that you're in, okay? So where do you find them? Um, look at customer reviews. You know, if you're in whatever your product is, if you make shoelaces, go look at other shoelace manufacturers. <laughs> they might not be complaints about you personally, but look at your competitors, look at your reviews, and look at all the one and two star reviews, not the fours and fives, the ones and twos, and just make a list of all the things people are, are pissed about. They don't like it. Uh, you're, you're too slow, you're not available, the not enough choices, whatever it is. Okay. Um, so look at the customer reviews, then make also, also make a list of all the objections you get in your sales process. Well, that sounds like a lot of time, Adam. That sounds like a lot of money, Adam. Well, that sounds like a lot of lead time, Adam. All right. All the pushback you get. And then um, ask if you don't already know, write down all the reasons why you got hired over the competitor. Cause they're going to say, well, I don't like that. The competitor does this, but you do that. They couldn't start as quickly. You can do that. Make a list of that, okay? Um, because that's where, the, because right, those, that's your focus group. That's what your customers are telling you in real time. They really want from you, all right? And so I would, I would make that list and I would say, where does our product or service offering not match that list, okay? 
because there's the untapped potential. Because uh, Disney in the U.S., complaint after complaint after complaint, the lines are too long. All right. Well, we have got an express ticket now. You pay more, but you never stand on a line. Right? You hop on a plane. There's first class. There's economy plus. <laughs> there's economy. <laughs> and now there's basic, where they barely... I don't know. They barely, you know, you get, you let get, you sit down. Yeah, you bet. You have to pay for the oxygen and and to go to the toilet. You're you're, exactly. you're treated like cattle, right? Yeah, exactly. We don't <laughs> want to assume that you need oxygen. So yeah, right. So um, so but they're all they're doing is responding to what people say. People say, oh, it's too expensive. Fine, basic. And and you can pick your path. We'll nickel and dime you the whole way through if you want all these services but you don't want to pay for bags. Fine. We'll give you an option. Makes All sense. they're doing is responding to what people are buying. True. They wouldn't, they wouldn't keep it if no one was buying it, but people are buying it. Mm -hmm. So, so they, um, you know, so God bless them. What they did was they took all of the non-core operations. Here's the other thing you do. Second thing is take all of your non-core operations, all the things. So, without getting too technical, think of all of your overhead expenses. Think yep. of all the things that you do for your customers for free that you wish you could get paid for and you're not getting paid for. So the airlines are a perfect example. You never used to pay for bags. You never used to pay for booking. True. You never used to pay for what line you got in. You never used to pay for what sequence you got in on the plane. You never used to pay for the meals, right? All of those things. So the, the, they said, well, look, those are our overheads those are our expenses let's unpack those and see if we could start charging for them mm -hmm. and that's what they did you know so i i, I get requests now and again from our clients because they like the social media we do our social media platform for anyone any of you be happy to share with you we we post five times a day on five platforms five days a week right it's our five times five times five strategy and so we have mojo monday trivia tuesday workshop wednesday thinking thursday fun day friday so our clients like that. They're like, oh, that's a cool structure. And I'll say, well, happy to teach it to you. We set up this whole training. We'll get you set up. They're like, no, 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 we want you to do it. I'm like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to do it. I'm not a social media <laughs> agency. I said, I've got all the, I've got all the assets, but I don't want to do that. And so back and forth, I agree to do it on two provisions. One, we train somebody internally on your team to take it over and no more than 90 days. We're not an agency. We're not really built for it. But what has happened is at any given time, our marketing department, which was a cost center, I've now neutralized that fee. I've taken a non-core part of my business and it becomes a core part of my business. So that's the second thing you want to look for. Look in your non-core operations. There's a lot of opportunity for possibly um, uh, monetizing that part of your business. Good point. Good question. Good some good stuff there, guys. Hope you've uh, been making a lot of notes because I've got a whole, I've got a whole uh, couple of pages so far of notes, which is great. It's good stuff. Um, interestingly enough, let's talk about growth plan because I yep. think this is a really interesting question. You know, not just for me, but for for some of our listeners. If we want to put a growth plan in place, right? What is it that you? What, what is it that you would teach um, our listeners? How, where do we start in terms of our growth plan? What do we, what does it look like? And, you know, uh, what is it, what is it that you need within the growth plan for it to make it work? 
Um, well, inside your growth plan, you need a couple of things. First thing you need is your identity. What is your, mm. you as a business, why should somebody hire you over the competitor no matter what? Got no it. matter what. Right. Yeah, I don't care what it is. I don't care what you're doing. Now, that, that triggers a few other questions. Like, who's my ideal client avatar? Mm -hmm. Who is the person that can't live without me? Who's the person that would be upset if I stopped giving my services? Or what segment of the population, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> then I, I need to answer this question. What's going on in their life right now that makes calling me, hiring me right now, mm -hmm. a necessity? Okay. And don't say, well, they're tired. No, they're not tired. What happened in their life? You know, they just, they had to be called into work three times, you know, during the holidays, during vacation, because there was no backup. Oh, that's what happened. Okay. So my service fixes that. What are the trigger events that makes calling you a necessity? So now that you understand that you say to yourself, okay, I now know the product. I know the person and I know the price. That's good. So now in my growth plan, I need to know how much cash is this going to take me? Right. Right. I, you could bootstrap, you can borrow, you can put it on your credit card. There's a hundred ways to get there, but you have to know what are your, um, you know, what are your costs? Because, mm -hmm. you know, in, in every country, everywhere in the world, there's, there's the big box retailer in the United States. It's Walmart in Europe. It's Asda or Aldi. Okay. Those big box retailers, which is the, the goal, the dream of so many product companies, the, the joke is that, that they have made or broken more companies than any other business. Because mm -hmm. if you put a product in there, understand it's going to take a quarter million bucks of any currency to make it through your first two terms, right? Now, if you don't have the money, you are likely out of business, right? right? If you have a product that's good and you make it through and you have enough cash, then you can have a multi-million dollar business for years to come. But without the cash, without the buying power, without the borrowing power, you're going to be in trouble. Mm. Now, way too many business owners fear credit and fall in love with cash. If you want to be a successful entrepreneur, seven figures and above, you have to understand what business you're in. And the moment you hit seven figures, you are no longer in the business you thought you were in. You are in the logistics business and you are in the finance business. And if you can't figure out the, the processes, the systems, the logistics of fulfilling your order and the finance uh, and, and how to borrow appropriately, where, how much, how often, for what, <clears throat> then you're gonna really struggle to, make, to sustain yourself as a seven figure plus business. Love it. Very cool. So yep. listen, I know that we've gone through a hell of a lot of things. And I'm sure that, um, you know, what, I, what I'm really conscious of is that, I, I don't know about you, but when we have great conversations, uh, especially like what we're doing right now, is that we don't become so overwhelmed with so much knowledge. You know, for me, like you, I'm all about practical application. How do we take this, turn yep. it into action, right? That's me. But I, I suppose my, I suppose because we're coming towards the end of our interview, I'd love to know more about what you're working on because I mean you've accomplished a lot in your life. You do coaching and mentoring, which is good. What's important to you, Cole? What are you working on, man? Yeah, so uh, you know, personally, I'm, uh, um, you know, I'm in my mid fifties now, mm. and I'm looking at the next fifteen years of my life, and I said, all right, do I have the next chapter of my life set up? So, personally, I'm working on my retirement plan. Next 15 years, my, 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 role, my uh, goal is 
to acquire two significant assets per year, you know, from now for the next 15 years. And then I'm going to spend the next 15 distributing them, selling them, whatever. Right. So right. whether right, it's right. on buying real estate or investing in a business uh -huh. or buying a stock or an insurance plan, two things a year for the next 15. And then after that, I'll distribute. So Got I accumulate it. for 15. I distribute for that. Um, I'm, I'm going to launch, I'm working on my latest book called the obnoxious offer, which oh. is the premium offering. Love obnoxious it. offers. I love it's it. Fun, I love it in a, in a fun way. Right. And, um, based on, you know, the five, you know, the five complaints and how do you build your, your, your differentiator. Um, so that's important to me. And, um, you know, um, uh, and so I continue with my advisory business, uh, but I found that I've, I'm, I'm in the mood to build something again. So I've invested in some companies that I can help them build something tangible. Interesting. Love it. Love it. Love it. So guys, listen, I hope that you have been enjoying our show today. Listen, I, I hope, honestly, there's just some great gold nuggets, some great tips that Cole has given you. Um, you know, and, and, and for me, what's important is that you take this knowledge and you apply the knowledge. Don't let, don't be one of these people that get that writes down notes, takes the notebook and puts it on the shelf to gather dust because that's just pointless, right? You want to, you want to take action and it's, and, and while the poker is hot, make sure that you, uh, make sure that you move fast. So, um, listen, Cole, just want to say thank you so much for today and being on the show. Really appreciate your time. You got it. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a blast. Absolutely. Listen, guys, hope you've enjoyed today's show and feel free to reach out to, to Cole as well. And you can do so by clicking on his links on the links below, uh, connect with him. And when you do connect with him, do mention the podcast because then he'll know exactly where you've come from. So, uh, so from the Game Changers Experience podcast, we'll see you back in on the next show. Take care and see you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.